wake you up a little bit, okay? Um, you can clap with it and listen to it. It's simple. Carol Cimbala wrote it, uh, and uh, it's got good theology, if I could put it that way. So if you're able to, would you stand, please? Dancing and clapping are authorized. Dancing too? Ready? Started in the wrong key. All the way to Calvary, he went for me, he went for me, he went for me. All the way to Calvary, he went for me, he died to set me free. Although I had so many, many sins, Jesus took them all away and he pardoned me. Although I had so many, many sins, Jesus took them all away and he pardoned me. All the way to Calvary, he went for me. He went for me. He went for me. All the way to Calvary, he went for me. He died to set me free. Although I had so many, many sins, Jesus took them all away and he pardoned me. Although I had so many, many sins, Jesus took them all away and he pardoned me. Jesus took them all away and he pardoned me. Jesus took them all away and he pardoned me. Simple and true, brothers and sisters. Anybody know what the proper soup is for uh, Easter? Huh. Lentil. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Jesus, you are most worthy of our worship and praise. The things you have done have shown the world that you are the king of all. You cannot be diminished and will not fail in the end of times. Please have mercy on us, your sinful children, and show us the way. Please make us worthy of all the blessings that you have given us. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid. Bearing all my sin and shame, in love you came and gave amazing grace. Thank you for this love, Lord. Thank you for the name. 
Wash me in your cleansing flow. Now all I know, your forgiveness and embrace. Worthy is the love, seated on the throne. Crown you now with many crowns, you reign victorious. the country and western way <laughs> so on a coarse piece of wood you were nailed adding more pain to your already unbearable suffering splinters and dirt mingled with your blood as you hung there waiting to die we stand in awe of the suffering you endured not only by the cross but by the rejection of the people you came to save Lord, help us to be better than that. Help us to change the world and to drive people away from Satan. Please help us to be the people you want us to be. Amen. All right. On a hill 
far away stood an old ragged cross, the emblem of suffering and pain. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was Cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a The old rugged cross, so despised by the world, had a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory above to bear it to dark Cherish the old rugged cross Till my trophies at last I lay down I will cling to the old rugged cross And exchange it someday for a The old rugged cross Stained with blood so divine A wondrous beauty I see For it was on that old cross Jesus suffered and died To pardon and sanctify me Cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away, where his glory forever I'll share. So I'll cherish the old rugged trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. I will 
cling to the old rugged, old rugged cross, and exchange it someday for a crown. What a beautiful song. Thank you for your indulgence. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. All right, folks, would you please read with me the responsive reading? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. All right, that says it all right there. So, from Zondervan. Grace, bless you. Grace is the cause or basis of salvation, whereas faith is the meaning. Faith, faith is the means of salvation. We are saved because of or on the basis of grace, which is attained by means of or through faith. Faith is confident trust in the in the atoning work of Christ, not in one own, one's own achievement for salvation. Grace and faith are a gift from God. Paul highlights God's gracious act of salvation by repeating how it is God, not humans, who accomplished salvation. Consequently, no one can boast since salvation dependent is dependent not on good words but on good works, but on God's grace. As God's handiwork of the new creation Believers are saved for good works, which God had planned from the beginning. God ordained these deeds for us to do, that we would, or that we would walk in them. So the deeds are of God's creation. I can't read my own handwriting. Um, the the deeds are of God's creation, and what that's part of the grace that God gives us. So, saved by grace. Thank you. Sure. As we um, pray for those in need today, I'm going to ask uh, uh, whoever's going to help with the offering to come up, please. And uh, we'll take it after I, I pray. Okay. You know, as I... We were singing the old work across. Um, I began to smile because uh, Nora's experiencing that right now, you know. Uh, and and you know, Paul Paul says in, in Corinthians, without the resurrection, we have no hope. Our Christian faith is vanity, he says. But because Jesus rose from the dead, conquered the grave, conquered sin, conquered Satan, we have hope. And Nora's realizing that right now. So um, as we pray, um, 
Gloria is still nursing that broken arm. So continue, please, to pray for, for good healing. Um, as far as I know, we don't have anybody except Lydia in the hospital, right? Uh, Lydia's had some surgery, so if we can pray for uh, her healing and recovery. Um, it's, it's good to, to see Emily back with us today. Uh, it's wonderful to have you here. Uh, so as, as we pray, we, what's heavy on my heart this morning, again, is um, the out-of-control violence that you know, I'm seeing all over the place. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that, I'm sure. But you know, because of our sin nature, um, we, don't need a, we don't need good reasons to be violent. We're usually violent for the wrong reasons. Not that violence solves anything. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm tired of hearing the mass shootings. I'm tired of hearing um, a, a, a New Jersey Congress lady uh, steps outside her apartment and gets gunned down in her car, you know? I mean, it's, it, it's sad. It really is sad. Places that were safe or deemed safe are no longer safe anymore. And, you know, that, that's sad. So we need to pray for our country, too. We need to pray for our churches. So would you join me in prayer, please? Father, first of all, we want to lift up Lydia before you, and we want to lift up Gloria. Both are in the process of healing, Father. We pray for Lydia that there's no complications. We pray for Gloria that the uh, uh, the bone would heal well and that she would uh, be able to join us in the very near future. We thank you for answers to prayer, Father, and thank you for um, uh, Emily uh, being here today and, and many other answers to prayer. We thank you. We, we don't take enough time, Father, to to thank you. We want to pray for the Jelly family, Father, as they mourn the loss of Nora. We pray, Father, that the fact that she knew Jesus Christ as her personal Lord and Savior would bring comfort to them, would bring, would bring them to a point of uh, joy within their grief. And Father, we pray that uh, when the memorial service takes place, that it would be a celebration of Jesus Christ and a celebration of Nora's life. And so, Father, I pray for this country. It just seems like, Father, that uh, everything, the answer to everything has been violence and um, arguments and, and name-calling. And Father, it's sad to say it, even, even among Christians. But Father, we pray. We pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to our spirits. We pray, Father, that the love of God would prevail and that you would continue to change hearts through faith in Jesus, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, as we wait upon you for tithes and offerings, we just ask that you bless the gift and the giver, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
The Gospel of John really is written in a, in a way where um, the Spirit of God influenced John to center, I mean really center on the theology of Jesus Christ. And I need to speak to something today from John chapter 3 that uh, too many of us have taken for granted over the years. Uh, not only have we taken it for granted, but uh, the, the media grabs a hold of it when it's, when it's trendy. Uh, do you remember Jimmy Carter, President Jimmy Carter, right? He, I, listen, I believe he knows the Lord. I mean, that's between him and God. But he really brought the term born again out to the forefront in the media. And unfortunately, for a while, it became a trend to be recognized as born again. But how the pendulum swings, right? Now, if you say you're born again, people look at you as, a, uh, you know, a, somebody who needs religion as a crutch. But we use these terms loosely. And, you know, being born again is not just a matter of saying the right words. It's not just a matter of saying the right prayer. It is a matter of the heart. It is a matter of the mind. It is a matter of the soul and the will. And I think we forget that at times. Um, you know, I, I don't give altar calls too much. I, rather, I would rather say to people, if you're interested in knowing Christ, see me after the service, or make an appointment with me and we could talk. Because sometimes we give the impression that if you just say the right words, you're born again. Well, the words are important. However, the heart condition is important, more important. Does that make sense? Okay. So I can remember when I first came to know the Lord, um, I was uh, I was 26 or 27 uh, back then. And um, people I worked with back then, they started to see a difference uh, in me, un unbeknownst to me, but they started, I was a, you know, just a young Christian at that point. And uh, my secretary came in my office one day. She says, are you one of those born-againers? And I said, what does that mean? Well, you know, those, those holy rollers, you know? Uh, the, the people who say they're, they're born again and they live one way on Sunday and they live another way on Monday. And, and I said, no, I, I, I'm born again. I'm not perfect, but I'm born again. And I've had, I've had an encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ. Now, you see, when you bring relationship into it, that has a dimension, doesn't it? That is to say Christianity is not just another religion. That Christianity is at its heart a relationship with God. And we have to come to God not on our terms, but on his terms. And that's quite humbling, isn't it? We all know that We've all been guilty of sin. We're born that way. That's what we inherit from Adam and Eve, right? Particularly Adam, because 
forgive the language, but he wimped out in the garden and he succumbed to Eve. And we inherit that nature, which has produced pride in us, self-righteousness, because we think we know better than God. And then we get caught up into false philosophies and theologies that say, no, you know, you don't have to be born again. Just be a good person. Oh, no, that doesn't get you into heaven either. Or you get caught up into, oh, you know, there really is no God. You know, those people who, who say they found Jesus, they just can't handle life. Well, you know, there's truth in that statement. I don't know where I'd be without Christ. But we have to kind of take this from just mere words to what it really looks like. Okay? So... John chapter 3, I'm not sure how far we'll get today because uh, we have communion uh, also. But listen to what John records for us. Now there was a Pharisee, a, re a religious PhD, if you will, a man called Nicodemus who was a ruling member of, I'm sorry, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council, which means he was also a Sadducee, all right? Follow this along. He came at night uh, to Jesus and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can perform the signs you are doing if, it were not, if, if God were not with him. Now, you know, a lot of, a lot of people have speculated why uh, Nicodemus came at night. And we don't know the reason why. The scripture is pretty silent about it. But, I mean, there's two possibilities. All right? uh, he, he was a religious leader, and as you well know, the Pharisees and Sadducees didn't like Jesus. Maybe he came at night because he, he didn't want to be seen with Jesus. I don't think so. I think he came at night, and here's the other possibility. Because during the day, Jesus had crowds around him. And he wanted to have this r intimate talk with Jesus. Because I'm sure he heard Jesus teach and preach. In fact, he gives Jesus respect here, calls him rabbi, teacher. That's a term of high esteem. And he says, look, we know you are a teacher who came from God. That in itself is an admission that could get Nicodemus fired, okay? For no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. And you might say, oh, this is great. You know, Nicodemus sees now what's really going on. No, not yet, not yet. Look what happens. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, there's a couple of things that you need to know about this statement. In the original language, uh, the words amen, amen are used at the beginning of this sentence. Does anybody know what amen means? So be it. Let it be. When it's used together like this, what Jesus is saying is, I'm telling you the absolute truth. 
This is, this is the absolute truth. No one can see the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Now, in the original language, uh, this born again term can be uh, interpreted rightly, born from above or born anew. Nicodemus was still a little confused, right? Here's how he replied. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a, a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So he didn't quite get it, right? How could it's impossible? Nicodemus is thinking about the physical birth, and Jesus is talking about a supernatural spiritual birth. Do you understand that? He didn't, but I hope we do. That tells me there's more to being born again than just the words. See, Nicodemus was a keeper of the law, and Nicodemus was trying to figure out Jesus' teaching. I mean, in all fairness to him, he came asking good questions. I want you to notice also how Jesus controlled the conversation, right? He gets right to the heart of the matter. And let me paraphrase it for you. Nicodemus, you think because you're a Pharisee, you were born into the family of Israel, because you do good works, that you're going to be in the kingdom of heaven. not even by your physical birth, Nicodemus. But you have to be born from above. So Nicodemus is struggling with this, right? And he goes on to say, again, Jesus answered him, very truly, or amen, amen. I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless... They are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You understand what Jesus is telling him here? He says, look, we all know what physical birth is, right? We all know about the birth process. But that's not what we're talking about, Nicodemus. Unless someone is born of the water and the spirit, they cannot enter the kingdom of God. Theologians argue about that term, water and spirit. And um, I have to confess to you, I don't have all the answers, but I, I can tell you this. I believe there are two sides of the same coin. The water is a symbol of cleansing and by the way, we're cleansed by the blood of Christ, aren't we? And the Spirit is necessary for salvation. He is the one who initially opens our heart, our mind, our ears to the truth of the gospel. To the truth of the gospel. Without the Spirit of God, we, we won't be born again. We, we wouldn't have the spiritual eyes and understanding to hear it. Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit 
gives birth to spirit. So, I want to just stop there for, for a minute. We all know that Jesus loved us so much, and we're going to get to that next week, that um, he went to the cross to die for my sin personally, for your sin personally. Are we all okay with that? There's nothing we can do to save ourselves. And this is what Nicodemus is wrestling with. Why? Because of pride. Why? Because we think we can earn God's love. No, God's love is there. It's up to us to come to him on his terms through faith in the person and work in Jesus Christ. So not to create any formulas, and I don't like that because everybody has a different experience, but when we come to God on his terms in repentance, realizing that our sin and our way of life offends him, and that we've hurt ourselves and hurt others along the way. And we cry out in repentance, saying to the Lord, we want to turn from that. That's what repentance is. And start walking with you. When we pray that sincerely, and, and we mean that in our hearts, our spirits, the Bible says the Holy Spirit then indwells us and we're born from above. Those of you who came up through Sunday schools and had birthdays, remember the happy birthday song? Um, the birthday song finally went public domain, I think. But uh, the second, uh, well, the question is raised, um, and I can't remember the exact words. You've had a physical birthday, but how about a second birth with Jesus? A lot of the Christmas carols mention the second birth, being born again. See, flesh gives birth to flesh, but only the Spirit of God, through the grace of God, through faith in Jesus Christ, can give birth to new life, new for, uh, forgiveness, and new purpose. The Puritans used to call this the great transaction. And the reason why they named this the great transaction is because when we pray this and we're sincere and we, we know God is working in our hearts and the Spirit is convicting us of our sin and we come before the cross in repentance and confession, we're told that Jesus took our sin, nailed it to the cross, and once we trust him by faith, he takes his righteousness, and puts it to our account. In other words, your sin debt is paid in full. Isn't that remarkable? Your sin debt is paid in full. I, don't, I, I really don't understand why the modern church is so uh, blasé about that. You know, you know what blasé means? Blasé just means, yeah, we take it for granted. You know, I've used this illustration before. If somebody paid off your mortgage or car, you'd be doing cartwheels down Route 9. Here you have a debt of sin that no one can ever repay. Jesus did it for us in our place. And listen to me. Here's what the Bible says. Every time 
a sinner, comes to the cross and repents and put their trust in Christ and they've been born from above, there's a party in heaven. Isn't that great? We should be celebrating. We should be. People are still getting saved by God's grace. Listen. Here's Nicodemus face to face with Jesus. And Nicodemus is trying to unlearn, if you will, what he learned in Pharisee school and say and make sense of what Jesus is saying. And I really believe this is an honest conversation. Well, let's look how this goes. Jesus saying to uh, Nicodemus, you should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. This is Jesus' way of saying, Nicodemus, you know the scriptures. You could see this in the Old Testament, Nicodemus. That's what he had back then, right? It says, the winds blow wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Let me tell you why that's so important. God will save whoever pleases him. And you know what we do sometimes? We look at people and say, God can't possibly save them. What arrogance. What arrogance. No, God saves who he chooses, correct? And if they're born from above, we're going to see them in heaven. So if you judge anybody to be beyond salvation, keep praying for them. We're not the evangelist God is. We're simply the mouthpiece to share the gospel and point people to the grace of God through Jesus Christ. For it is by grace we are saved through faith, not by works. That's what Chip read for you before. Now, if I had a present to give, let me see. If I had a present to give to Carmen, I'm picking on you, Carmen, okay? If I had a present to give to Carmen, and I would say, this is for you, what, should, what does she need to do to take possession of that present? She needs to receive it. If she doesn't receive it, then she doesn't have the advantage of taking advantage of that. It's the same thing with the gospel. By grace. We don't deserve it. What we deserve is an eternity in hell because of our sin. God sent his one and only son to die for us on the cross. And salvation is offered to us through God's love and grace. It's up to us to receive it then by faith. Isn't that true? And if we do that sincerely, there's something that happens. The spirit indwells us. We're under new ownership. Do you ever think it would be that way? 
I love it, you know, when businesses have been around and, you know, they, they sell and you, you see under new management. Before we were saved, whether we liked it or not, we were under the management of the world system and Satan. But the moment we are born from above, we're under the new management of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It's a remarkable transaction. It involves the whole person. What did Jesus say when the, when the uh, Pharisees were trying to trap him? What's the greatest commandment? Of all the commandments, what's the greatest? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, might, and mind. That's the first. That sounds like the whole person to me, not just words. That sounds like the heart, mind, and the will. And what's the second? Love your neighbor as yourself. Whoa. See, it's not just about words. Let me go a couple more verses here with him. Nicodemus still doesn't get it. How can this be? And Jesus kind of gives him a mild rebuke here. He says, you are Israel's teacher, being a Pharisee, and you do not understand these things. And again, here's another one of those statements. Amen, amen, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen, but, you, but still you people cannot accept our testimony. What Jesus was saying is, basically is this, you had the very son of God standing before you, Nicodemus, fully God, fully man, giving you testimony, and you don't believe it. You don't believe it. You don't accept the testimony of Christ and the apostles, right? And this is what he says. He says, I've spoken to you uh, of earthly things, and, and you do not believe. How, then, will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. And what Jesus is declaring to Nicodemus is that he's the Son of God, fully God, fully man. We're going to pick it up there next week. Um, I'm going to bring you back next week to a passage in the Old Testament that, that kind of sums this up. But un until we get there, and that passage is in Ezekiel 36, until we get there next week, let me just say to you that um, this do not use biblical terms lightly. All right? We need, we need, as best as we can, some understanding as to what they really mean. What does it mean to be born again? Well, it's not just saying the right words, but it's to have a living, dynamic relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And Jesus' sacrifice made that possible because we're clothed with his righteousness. And he took our sin away so we can come before the Father. I mean, there's a lot involved here. I love young kids. I really do. 
with young kids, they have a simple faith. If you tell them something, they believe it, right? Until they get to a certain age, of course. But if you tell them something, they'll believe it. And Jesus says, unless you have a faith like one of these, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. So my question to you is this. How's your relationship with Christ? How's your relationship with the Father? You know, relationships can grow cold very easily. And relationships grow cold when we fail to spend time with the other person. Isn't that true? Can even grow cold when we spend time with the other person. That time has to be very, very intimate on all levels in order to have meaning. So how is your relationship with the Father? Are you reading his word? Are you meditating on it? Are you asking the Holy Spirit to teach you and, and integrate what you learn into your life so he can change you from the inside out? Have you learned that Christ wants you to be more like him? That's a process. But we don't get there by osmosis. We get there by the word of God and putting and being obedient. Sometimes I suspect, and, and not, not intentionally, but sometimes I suspect we, we tell people they can be born again without obedience to God. And that just simply is not true. Being born again applies by its very nature, by its very theology, that our chains that held us from being obedient to Jesus have been broken by his grace. Does that make sense? And now for the first time, when we are born again, we have the freedom to follow Jesus. Not because we have to, but because he loved us. And we love him back. Can I get an amen to that? I mean, this is so crucial as we go forward, okay? We're going to pick it up there next week and uh, um, read ahead. You know, read ahead to the rest of the chapter. Uh, you know, the Gospel of John is probably my favorite of all the Gospels. It's personal choice. They're all good. But um, it's very, it's very it, it centers always on Christ and his work at the cross and, and who he is. So it's good stuff. As we reflect on this, I'm going to ask those serving communion if, if you would come up. The scripture says that you, uh, if you have trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that this is a, a time for you. You don't have to be a member here. Uh, you just partake of the supper. What's the purpose of the supper? Well, Jesus initiated it, of course, at the last Passover. Uh, and he gives Paul further instructions in Corinthians, and he says, let a person examine their, themselves as they come to the 
the Lord's table. It's the Lord's table. And what Paul is saying is, let the Spirit of God, the Word of God, expose any areas of sin that need to be confessed. Confess those. Because 1 John 1, 9 says, if you confess your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. This is a table for people who are born again, but we're still sinners by grace. It's sinners under grace. And so when we sin, God gives us the gift of confession. That's why he says examine ourselves. That's why the Lord said whenever you do this, do it frequently. And do it for his glory. So I'm going to ask the men uh, to pass out the bread. Would you hold it and we'll partake together? One of the reasons why we use matzah, um, a couple of reasons. I mean, if we use regular bread, that would be fine too, but uh, matzah is unleavened. And one of the, the keys to the Passover was to get rid of leaven in your house. And leaven was a, form, was a symbol of sin. Sin grows, right, if it's not dealt with. The other reason why it's really symbolic of the Lord Jesus' body if you remember on the Via Della Rosa, he was whipped before even the journey to the cross, to the bone, unrecognizable. Striations on the matzah. He was spit upon. They pulled his beard, they mocked him. And on the cross, after he chose to give up his spirit, and say, it is finished. The centurion put a sword in his side, hence the holes. Not only that hole, but the holes made by the spikes in the wrists and the ankles. Jesus says, do this in remembrance of him his body broken for us. When you eat this, remember him. Would you eat, please? We'll pass out the cup, and if you would just...
hold it and we'll partake together. Jesus made a new covenant with us and entailed in that covenant is if we receive his gift of salvation by grace through faith, then he'll never leave us or forsake us. Isn't that great? He'll never leave us or forsake us. In fact, when God chooses to call us home, the first face we're going to see is our Savior. Wow. Jesus says that there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. He was the perfect Passover lamb. No blemishes, fully God, fully man. Our substitute and his blood cleanses us from all sin when we put our faith in him. Jesus says, when you drink this, do this in remembrance of him, would you drink? As is uh, the custom on Communion Sunday, if you're uh, able to and feel led to, give to the um, fellowship fund. We use that to help those in need, and uh, we'll wait upon you for that. And I'm going to ask Kristen to come up. As Kristen comes up, this last song, uh, I don't want to take anything away from Chip here, but in this last song, my prayer is that we sing it with a grateful heart, with a heart of thanksgiving, and embrace the truth that it tells us. Would you stand, please? Once again. Here we go. 
Can you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. Before the closing prayer, we have a couple of guests here today. Would you uh, please get to know them? And um, one here for the second time, correct? And we're glad to have you. And Lee, it's, it's just great to see you. So I, I know Lee for a while. And uh, please greet them. I have to run, so forgive me. Uh, let's pray. God, you are the one who loves us beyond all we can know. And you sent your son to die for us so we can have a living relationship with you. Holy Spirit, I pray that our hearts would leave here very thankful and grateful and rejoicing in your grace towards us. And Father, may we be obedient to your commission that we go into the world and make disciples of others teaching them all that you have taught us and baptizing people in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. You could do a little better than that. All God's people said? Amen. Okay, we'll see you soon.